Welcome to the We Need to Talk podcast. My name is Grace Presley, and I am a storyteller, writer, artist, and truth seeker. I firmly believe that the deeper we step into our truth, the more universal we find our stories to be. My inspired intention with this podcast is to hold space for you and your vulnerable yet inspiring stories. I invite you to come as you are, peel back the layers, and know that your story is worth loving. Join me each week as I share powerful interviews and inspiring stories with women that not only have found their voice, they have set aside their should-bes and not good enoughs and are standing in their truth. These women are you, and you have that incredible power inside of you as well. It's right there. Can you feel it? Welcome back to another awesome episode of the We Need to Talk podcast with Grace Presley and Kimberly Borges. Today, we have Tori Doobie, and she is just a rock star. You are going to leave this episode and this conversation feeling so pumped about life and all of the possibilities and all of the things that you're going to be able to go out and create. She has a ton of just information to up-level your life. And she's also, we've got in the show notes, included a freebie for her manifestation kit, which I hope that you take advantage of. I've used it and it is awesome. So without further ado, here is Tori. Welcome Tori to the We Need to Talk podcast. We're super excited to have you today. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So Tell us, tell the listeners, who is Tori? Because I know they are going to be so excited to listen. And I just really kind of want to dive straight into um, who you are and share your story with um, the listeners here this morning. Yes, my pleasure. So on paper, I'm a hypnotherapist, life coach, and holistic nutritionist. In action, I am a transformational coach, guiding women to bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. But I mean, beyond the work that I do, I'm also a human (laughs) in San Diego with my dream guy, with my puppy, having a freaking blast. Yeah. Yeah. So the difference between on paper and like human, like where's that fine line, like of who you are, you know, you, you, I mean, that's all Tory, but you know, how, how are you separating those, but also weaving that thread of who you are. Yeah, I think, and this will be a huge part of the the story that we chat about later, but I think that in this entrepreneurial journey, in a big way, we're like raising our hand to the universe and saying like, okay, toss up all my shit in my face really quickly (laughs) get through this. But on the other side, as you settle in a space where who you are as a human being and who you are in service they're pretty similar. So the love that I give to my clients, that's always been the core of who I am. And it took a while for those two paths to kind of converge and meet. And I think that now that they've met, that's why everything is exploding so quickly and expanding. And that's why I feel this huge sense of fulfillment, but it took a while, like the paths were winding and we had to learn how to trust that the humanness of me was enough to be of service to the other humans in my life. Um, so to answer your question in short, I think that right now a lot of who I am on paper is also who I am as a human being. Yeah. 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 I was just looking at your Instagram and you were talking about this path that you took, which, you know, wasn't linear. And I think a society teaches us that we like the right way, quote unquote, the right way is to have this linear path. And, and because you didn't have a linear path, you sort of felt like a failure and you tried all sorts of different things. And so I'm really curious to, to kind of dive into that. And cause I definitely feel the exact same way and, and have really similar experiences. So I'm really curious to hear more about that part of your story. I kind of want to like rewind let's rewind back into like the beginning of that non-linear path for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think our generation, or I think like our parents' generation, they were pretty linear in their path because that's all they knew, right? Their parents were parents of the depression. So our parents like stood on their shoulders and they said, okay, well now this is an amazing gift. I get to finish high school and then I get to go to college. And then they ingrained that in us in our generation is kind of like, 
I want to stand on your shoulders. I'm not really sure that that works for me anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more common that our paths are not linear, but we're still trying to fit into the confines of what our parents taught us when we were growing up and what society was telling us when we grew up. But my path, I was a star student in high school, always was involved in something, numerous clubs after school, was in a dance company, uh, student council president, and I just thought a natural extension of that would be to go to business school and just have a really versatile major so I could do whatever I wanted. And that lasted uh, one semester until I was like, <laughs> oh, I hate this. And um, what's funny is I was supposed to go to Boston for school. I grew up in New Hampshire, so Boston is not very far away. I was supposed to go to Boston for school, but a couple weeks before, I just had a panic attack, which was very common for me. I had a lot of panic attacks uh, growing up. And I remember I was trying to drive on a two-lane highway to the mall, and I started panicking and pulled over on the highway, called my dad, and I was like, Dad, how many lanes does the highway have on the way to the mall? I think I'm going the wrong way, and I'm lost. And this was like when we didn't have GPS on our cell phones, and I started throwing up next to my car in such panic, and he's like, buddy, we got to get this anxiety taken care of. This is the same highway you drive to get to everything in our town. Yeah. Uh, all to say that when I decided I wanted to drop out of school in New Hampshire and move to New York City by myself at 19 years old, my parents were like, really? Uh, but they wanted me to expand and grow. So they said, whatever you wanna do, do it. So I finished one year in business school, followed a gut feeling that I needed more and moved to New York City alone. I had been a dancer my whole life, so I, did a dance internship with Broadway Dance Center for half the year, auditioned, danced professionally, got into TV and film and modeling and stand-up comedy and writing uh, for a long time. To fund all of these things, I waitressed in a bikini in Times Square at a restaurant called Hawaiian Tropic. We had to wear high heels. Um, I did red carpet interviews. I, I did anything and everything. I just was so hungry and curious in a really good way. Like it just felt like playground. Um, throughout that time and from when I was 11 years old on, I always had an, this eating disorder in, in the background and it had different faces over the years, but there was always this narrative that I couldn't be successful until I fixed the eating disorder. Mm. So it didn't really matter how high I flew in any of those career paths, I still always felt so much shame and guilt about this brokenness. So fast forward a little bit, I was still auditioning, I was nannying, and I was also working for a nonprofit. And um, I went through a really stinky breakup, which this will be a rock bottom that we can delve deeper into. And um, after the breakup, I just said, okay, I need to wipe the slate clean and quit everything. And I just quit everything. And with it, my identity fell on the floor and I had no fucking idea who I was. Mm -hmm. And something in me said, go to a meditation retreat. I had never meditated before. I'd never traveled alone. I went to it, was blown away, came home, decided to go back to school for mind-body transformational psychology. And that is the foundation of my practice now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's like just yeah wow um I definitely like I always wanted to move to New York City and I just lived vicariously through you for a minute <laughs> um, because I never had the guts to do it and so I just want to say like even though you kind of like I think we all kind of feel this like our former versions of ourselves, we kind of felt so broken at the time like we really had a lot of courage. Like, I feel like that took a lot of courage for you to drop out of business school and move to New York city. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. There, I don't know why I've been graced with this amazing gift, but I think the, my favorite part about myself is when I have that tug in my soul or like that feeling in my belly. I like, once I know I can't unknow and I'm mm. just so willing to follow it even when I am terrified. <laughs> so I've had a couple moments where I just swipe the slate clean and go, I'm putting my hands up. Like I am giving this up to a higher power at this moment. Cause I have no idea why, but this is the message I'm getting and it's time to do it. Yeah. yeah where do you think that comes from? You just, I mean, do you think it's, 
just within you or are your parents completely supportive of that? Because I can tell you that is not something that I am in tune with by any means. It's something that I think I just recently learned and am still learning to do. I, I actually think it's the opposite. So my parents are phenomenal beings. I love them. Like they are my two favorite people on the planet. They got divorced when I was two years old. And I think that the wonkiness of that and trying to figure out like what my identity was with my mom and what my identity was with my dad and still trying to fit into their containers of like what they wanted for us. I think that was very isolating for me. Mm. And as the older daughter, so I have a little sister in the divorce, I became like the mediator, the healer, the lover. I always wanted everybody to just get along. And as a kid, I remember thinking specifically like, my sister needs to shut the hell up right now because she's causing too much trouble and our parents are, are already too stretched thin because of the divorce. Like I just, that was ingrained in me, like be quiet, be kind, be good, be a lover. But also that was really isolating because I just kind of learned like shut up and go in the corner. That's where you'll be the safest and where you'll cause the least amount of trouble. And so I think in that isolation, I was forced to listen to something bigger and I couldn't really put words to that until the most recent rock bottom that I went through in 2015, which we can dig into. But it was kind of my test to say, okay, God, I'm like giving everything to you right now. And I have absolutely no support from my parents. Let's see if this works out. And it's worked out in the most amazing, mind-blowing way that I think that this pain that I always felt feeling like I wasn't supported by my parents in the ways that I needed, it's been the gift all along. Yeah. yeah. You would you consider yourself a rebel because I know you just said that you felt like your identity had to be like don't cause any you know waves don't make waves but that following that gut intuition I feel like is like a rebellious kind of quality like do you think that that was like the polarization of like this really obedient child to like the pendulum swing going the opposite way that's really funny to think of it in those terms because I always thought that I was just trying to be perfect to be easy for my parents. Right. But yeah, I've <laughs> actually never, I always get my way. I know this is really <laughs> thing to say, but I always get my way. Like any job I've ever had, like waitressing, there'll be like, Here's the rule. No cell phones on the floor. I could always figure out a way to get my cell phone. <laughs> I was fired from that job every Christmas for three years. And then I would somehow get the job back. Like, they didn't want people to take off Christmas to go home. And I'm like, I'm definitely going home to see my family. So I'd get fired. And then I'd come back and just show up and be like, hello. Like, okay, I guess we'll rehire you. Um, I think I am a rebel in that I always get my way. But I think we're all rebels. I think our biggest invitation in this human journey is the discernment. It's like all of these contradictions are presented to us so we can check in with our gut, our soul and go, okay, but what do I think? It's not meant like, we're not meant to have all, all of the same rules, all of the same answers for us. And in that discernment, we get to build up who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Yeah, you've come to that realization too at this point in your life, which I think says, you know, a ton about who you are and where you're headed, you know. Yeah, what were you going to say, Kimberly? Oh, I just was, yeah, uh, curious about the different bottom points for you and sort of like the pivot, I guess. Um, you, yeah. sort of, you mentioned a couple different things, so I'm, I'm not sure wherever you would like to dig into. Yeah, I'm interested, Tori, like, so pivot points are different than like rock bottoms. And so like where you had to perhaps like different points in your life where you had to pivot, but what led you to those rock bottoms? Like there are different perhaps moments that stand out to you where you had to make a choice, whether that was making the choice for you or somebody else made that choice for you, or maybe perhaps you made a choice that moved further away from yourself that led you into that rock bottom, whatever that looked like. But I would like to know what maybe some of those moments were that led you into those rock bottoms. And then we can talk about your rock, 
some of those rock bottoms. You know, I have a few rock bottoms as well, but um, yeah, I'll let you lead with that. Yeah, sure. So I think for me, okay, my boyfriend says that I have Christ-like forgiveness and empathy. That's impressive. Wow. (laughs) Christ-like forgiveness and empathy for myself. So when people talk Mm -hmm. about being shameful or feeling like they took the wrong path at some point, it just doesn't resonate with me because it always has Mm -hmm. felt like even the quote wrong paths that I've taken or things that maybe, yeah, I wish I did a little differently in the moment. I always can loop back and go, yeah, but it had to happen like that. So I think a lot of these rock bottoms or these pivot points, the pivots have always just felt natural because I'm following my gut. So if it means that I need to say, oh, no, peace out, I'm done with this. I've just always been able to do that. But I have a couple moments where it was like opening up a sinkhole in the earth, swiping everything that is in into it and starting over. And I have a hard time calling them rock bottoms because I have a really hard time being the victim of the circumstance. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That's, you know, and I think being a victim is how you choose to identify with it. You know, I, for the longest time, um, that is how I chose to identify with it as a victim. And, um, I no longer look at it through that lens, but, um, I still feel like that was definitely the lowest point of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, you also transcend out of that. So, um, that's an interesting take on that, but I'd like to know a little bit more about it. Yes. So like I said, I started restricting my eating when I was 11 because our gym teacher weighed us and I was 92 pounds. No. Yeah. I was 92 pounds and my friend was 89 pounds. And I was like, starting to freak out in gym class. And then I like grew little baby boobies before everybody else. And I was like, Oh no. So I feel like that moment somehow plunked me into my body where I had never had that awareness before around my body. And I was just like, what is this thing? (laughs) And I had nobody to talk to. I I love my mom, but she didn't teach me about my period. She didn't, I had nobody to talk to about the changes my body was going through. And I remember once I tried to ask my doctor and he just gave me this book that was penises <laughs> and I hated it. I threw it behind the bookshelf and I fuck that. So again, I chose to isolate myself and just figure everything out on my own. And my answer was, okay, don't eat food and then exercise really hard. And I started that at 11 years old. And for a long time, and when I started my practice, that was the story of my life. That was like the trajectory that I was looking at and allowing to define me. And there were some really low moments. Like in high school, I would willingly go in the bathroom with other people that I knew in there and throw up. And I remember having toilet water splash in my eye and then have to go back to class. I have passed out in dance practice. I've like, I've had really low moments there. And because I was working in holistic nutrition, that was a big part of my story. And it's only been in the past couple of years that I was like, wait, there's a whole different story that was happening at the same time. I was on billboards and I was in music videos and I was hosting red carpet interviews and I was having a blast and I was meeting all these amazing people. And so I feel like I had these two lives running. And for a long time, I thought that I was focusing, I thought that I had to focus on the eating disorder stuff. But there was this other story happening too. And in the past couple of years, I've decided, no, I actually think I love that story better. And because this whole human experience is just about reframing and telling ourselves the stories that empower us most, I've decided to tell that story a lot more, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%, yeah. In that, um, college was definitely a big pivot, just deciding to drop out and leave broke up with the boyfriend, just moved to New York City alone. Then my transition out of New York City was a big pivot. That was in 2015. I hosted my first um, retreat in Mexico, and it was the first time I had been out of New York City for more than a couple days because I always was broke, always hustling, always working seven days a week. And so when I hosted this retreat, I was finally like out of the chaos and the sirens and the loudness, and everything came rushing through in Mexico. And it just hit me like, time to get out of New York City, got to break up with a boyfriend, got to do it now. So I hosted the retreat. It was life-changing. It was amazing. And then the last three days, I stayed 
just like by myself on the beach to recoup. And I just bawled the whole time knowing what was coming. <laughs> Went home to New York City. Boyfriend was not waiting for me. Even though he hadn't seen me in two weeks, he was not home. And I was like, oh, no, this is not good. And then he comes in a little bit drunk and says everything I was going to say. Like, took it out of my mouth. And he's like, you're breaking up. And we don't love each other anymore. And I'm going to leave for the week so you can pack up your stuff. And then I'll figure out the apartment. So had one week to say goodbye to a decade of friends, of people who were my family at this point. Um, packed up my shit in two suitcases and left and went home to New Hampshire, moved into my parents' house. There was a bedroom in the back of the house that they let me have. They let me use their car. They said, we will take care of you. We don't want you to be stressed out. Use the car. We'll buy all the food. Like, you just rest. That lasted one week. And then I saw some text messages back and forth saying, like, don't let the grandparents give Tori any money. We are not here to... Uh, fund her random whims. She needs to figure out her life now that she failed in New York City and moved home. Uh, oh. Sent her some receptionist jobs that I found. Like it was gut wrenching. So, in speaking about parents supporting, <laughs> I think that they want to. They're just terrified for you. But that was a really important moment for me. And something in me said, okay, you're going to do this right. You're going to do what you preach to your clients. So it's time to have immense integrity with the thoughts that you have, the words that you speak, how you treat your day. Every time you're in a puddle of anxiety on the floor, you're going to get your ass to the meditation corner. You're going to say some prayers. You're going to do whatever you need to to get back to okay. And then, then you can continue on with the day. But anytime that happens, like to the meditation corner. And I remember thinking, like, don't text old boyfriends for comfort. Don't drink any wine or alcohol. No food. That's shitty. Like, I just refused to settle into my old comforting mechanisms that I knew weren't helpful to me. And I just committed a thousand percent to allowing this to be a moment for a humongous up level. And I didn't have the support of anybody in my household. My bedroom with the door shut was my only sanctuary. And that started in December. By February, everything had changed. I was offered a dream job. I met my dream man. Um, like just everything exploded. And it's just because I had that immense integrity with all that I wanted. The universe was like, yeah, here it is on a platter. Yeah. He made that choice. Like mm -hmm. that, <clears throat> that absolute choice to do that. And that's, that's essentially where it starts and that's incredible. Like what a powerful testimony to choosing yourself and saying yes to yourself and not spelling out any more bullshit any longer for yourself. Like I just love that so much. Yeah. I think it's a trap to think that the route, that route is quote harder, right? So right. Can look at it and say, Oh, that sounds like so much work when you're mourning, when you're sad, when you're really, it was so much easier than opting out with food or with alcohol or with old relationships yeah. or going on dates just to like prove to myself I'm worthy because those feel good for about three minutes and then you're even lower than you were. So in many ways I proved to myself that even in my lowest, I still have me to hold on to. like through that. Now I know I could live in a cardboard box on the side of the road and I could still probably find something to be excited about in there. <laughs> because I still have me and I still have my God or the universe, whatever you want to call it to connect to. Yeah. Yeah. It's making that decision that it's okay to be uncomfortable. And in fact, like maybe we need to learn how to be a little bit more uncomfortable, like every day and just work through that instead of just like numbing it or like, you know, putting a band aid on, you know, I don't know, like just letting yourself be in that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I did sort of have a question that kind of went back to the beginning of your story you were talking about being 11 years old and you said something about it being the first time that you became aware of your body. But what kind of came up for me is you could, it could be the first time that you became aware of your body, but what gave you the idea that being three pounds more than your friend was a bad thing? Like, where did that idea come from? Was that something that you saw, you know, with the other women in your life, the adults, or was it like, you know, magazines or like just society in general? What gave you that idea? 
Yeah, that's a great question because I don't ever really remember my mom talking about being fat or dieting when I was that young ever. So I think it's a testament to how much we are ambushed, even subconsciously through TV or the magazines. Because I don't even have a specific time where somebody taught me that it was not okay to be, to weigh more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that so many girls, I think it's getting better, but yeah, I just think it's something we don't talk about enough. Just the subliminal micro messages that we get that our, our weight matters. Yeah. It's, and it's so sad that at 11 years old, when, I mean, what I was in fifth grade, like at recess, I was worrying about people seeing my sports bra through my basketball t-shirt instead of just being an 11 year old who's running around rolling in the mud. Yeah. Grace, did you have, because I know that you kind of had your um, own experiences with, you know, eating and and weight. Yeah. Yeah. Eating disorder. So my eating disorder, um, it, you know, it didn't start until college, but it, it was much different in the sense that um, it was a breakup and just losing that kind of control. And so I just tried to, find some kind of control and self-worth and instead of (laughs) instead of doing that in in a positive way you know you find it through food and like the only thing you can control or you feel like you can control in that that manner is your food intake and so um you know, I, I feel like you never, and perhaps this is completely different for you, Tori, but um, you never completely heal um, from an eating disorder. You just learn how to manage it differently. Once it's there, it's always just there. And that I feel like that is um, with any sort of addiction, you just manage it differently. Um, and so I've learned how to heal with that, but heal with it and deal with it differently than obviously my 21-year-old self. So, yeah. Yeah. How are you, uh, does that resonate with you at all? Are you, how are you dealing with that, you know, now with this, you know, I, how, I don't know how old you are. How old are you? I'm 30. Yeah, 30. I'm, I'll be 32 this year. So 30-year-old Tori compared to 11-year-old Tori. Yeah, I, I agree that the eating disorder is not the disorder, right? Really, it's a disconnection from self and under, understanding our inherent worthiness, but also finding a way to have a physical outlet for that anxiety. And that's always what it was for me too. Like there was, at least there was this one thing that I could obsess about that felt productive, felt like I was in control of really. It's just a crock of shit. It was a humongous distraction. Who knows how high I could have flown with all the other things if I wasn't spending 80% of my day worrying about my body. But now, yes, I see it as, my little red flag that I'm out of alignment and alignment to me is just when your mind, your body and your soul are speaking the same language, they're integrated and they're of conditional love, unconditional love. So anytime I have that anxiety around food or on my body creeping in, I know it's just a gentle tap on my shoulder going, Hey, get back into alignment. You're veering off. You know, you're forgetting the power of who you are right now. And so I just kind of see it as this friend in the car with me, that is just a, a gentle reminder that it's time to get back to center. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I love that too. That's a, such a powerful way to look at it because for me, for the longest time, it was always, one, it was always my voice, but it was always, um, just like a little gremlin voice back there of, um, you know, you eat that, you're going to get that or okay, eat that. And now you got to go run or eat that. And you got to go throw up or eat that. And you ruined your day, whatever, whatever, you know, those terrible thoughts are. So yeah, completely out of alignment, um, for that 21 year old self for that 11 year old self. Um, but turning that back into center and it's so amazing to be able to bring that into alignment and to be able to make that choice, you know, to, to have that choice to say yes to yourself, you know, to, to have that awareness around that choice, you know, it's very different. Yes. I think that once you figure out the awareness piece, yeah. well, let's go back one step further. I think once you're willing to actually see it, right. I was not willing Um, to see it for a while because if I saw it, then I'd have to do something about it and I wasn't ready to give it up, but willingness has to come first. Then the awareness around it, 
awareness around anything. We have to know what we're doing now if we want to stop it in its tracks and like plow over it with something better. And then the third piece is an empowered choice. So through that awareness, we have this foundation to stand on and go, okay, I want to make a better choice. What's it going to be? But the awareness piece, we're so terrified of it. We're so terrified to know. We're so terrified to look in our bank account. We're so terrified to tell the new person that we're dating the truths about us. We're so, we're so terrified of the quote truth of any of our brokenness, but that's the first step to making a new empowered choice that serves us better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just captivated by everything that you're saying. I'm just like, yep. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> Um, so when it sounds like there was also like kind of like a big breakthrough that happened at your meditation retreat, yeah. what were some of the, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard to maybe like articulate the new awareness or new thoughts, new way of thinking that we have, but if you could, you know, what were some of the new thoughts that came out of that, that completely shifted your perception in the way that you viewed the world and then therefore like your actions in this human experience, what happened at that meditation retreat? Yes. Okay. So to back up a couple months before the meditation retreat, I was volunteering my time with a nonprofit that I was running with a friend. She was the founder. I was just kind of the catch all for everything else. We were having a blast, but I wasn't making any money at all. So I was like up till two, 3 AM busting my ass for this nonprofit all with this like future date in mind of like, we'll make money then. And then I'll be okay. And I also knew I had to babysit 20 hours a month to just barely pay my bills. So I'm like hustling, babysitting while spending every other speck of my time at this nonprofit. And then I was dating this boyfriend. So my identity was around those things. Tori the hustler, Tori who busts her ass, Tori who always gives back. She's such a great human. Tori who's going to save the world, but Tori who doesn't take any care of herself whatsoever. So this breakup happened because my boyfriend and I were supposed to go on a trip together to Mexico. And before we were leaving, he was traveling for two weeks with his brother over the holidays. He was going to come home, switch his bags, and then we were going to fly out. And so while he was gone, I just was like anxiously awaiting, thinking we're going to get engaged on this trip, thinking everything's coming together. The nonprofit founder, she was speaking on the TEDx stage, TED stage, like big stage, TED stage. The next week, we were going to get funding for the nonprofit. Like everything was about to explode. That's what I felt. So he comes home from his trip. I'm sitting there with all my bags packed waiting and he has tears in his eyes. I'm like, oh no. And I said, I don't care what it is. Let's talk about it in Mexico. And he just said, in short, I don't want to be with you. I can't do this. I'm not sure if I like men or women. And that was not something I could argue with. And I just said, okay. And my response just felt so dramatic compared to what our response would be for a breakup. And now I see now it's because I lost my whole identity. Like everything went down with this guy saying he didn't want me, but I like laid on the ground and wailed like a, like a whale. It sounded like I was a whale. <laughs> and I called my dad and I said, go get me. And he said, buddy, I can't drive to New York city. You're right now in the middle of the night, you're going to take the bus in the morning. You're going to come home. You'll be okay. So the next morning, my friends like just stayed with me every second until I could get on the bus. And I was just like shaking and bawling and got on the bus, got home. And I, all I could do was like lay in a dark room and a little thing popped up like in my email or something about Deepak Chopra and Oprah doing their meditation challenge. And I don't even know why I thought that I needed to do that, but I just signed up and did it. And I would have like a couple seconds during each meditation where I felt okay. And when you feel so not okay and you get a couple seconds where you feel okay, it becomes addicting. So I'd be like, I got to do my meditation every day. So I would just be laying in my dark room. I'd pop up, do my meditation. Then I'd just lay back down. That's all I was capable of. So by the end of the week, I thought, okay, maybe there's a, oh, I was Googling. Where can I go to feel better after? <laughs> <laughs> because now I had this week of vacation, these flights that I could use because we weren't going to Mexico anymore. And, um, I was looking at like breakup retreats. I don't know. It led to a meditation retreat. Anyway, I sign up, I go, and they're doing an interfaith symposium. So one night there's a rabbi speaking one night, there's a priest speaking last night, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's on the secret. He's a neuroscientist. He was speaking about the power of positive psychology, how 
um, when you speak to plants, they grow better, stuff like this. The power of our words and the thoughts and quantum mechanics, it was mind blowing. And I went, that is what I need. So that week in my learning how to meditate, I just started finding integrity with my thoughts and my words. And I was like, wow, I got a lot of shit I got to work on there. And also too, the nightmares that I was having was not, they weren't about the breakup with the boy at all. They were about me being a failure, me disappointing people. And because it was the first time that I actually sat with myself and had a conversation without trying to be the busiest, most helpful, world-changing person ever, a lot of stuff could come through. And my, I, I told myself, Tori, this eating disorder is a big distraction. It's time to let it go. I said, you got to stop volunteering for the nonprofit that's not doing any favors. You got to let it go. This breakup, you're not upset because of the boy. You're upset because you think that he told you you're not worthy. You got to let that go. So it was the first time I was having conversations with myself and first time I figured out that I have access to this wisdom within me. And when I came home, I just ran with it. Right away, I signed up for school. And I remember the, the enrollment admissions person on the phone being like, I just want to, this sounds like really drastic. I just want to make sure that you actually want to do this. And this is not just like a crazy idea you have because (laughs) you're going through a breakup. And I was like, no, this is real. And I just quit everything, decided it was time to do it and just threw myself into three years of school. And, um, yeah, that's that connection to the inner voice. Well, I'm sure I had it growing up. I didn't have a, a name or it didn't have to hold as much power. Like I had to realize it Yeah. in that space. But really the greatest gift was just that I had to meditate every day. That's all that happened really. <laughs> and then I found it. Yeah. I really resonate with that because um, I also went through a really rough breakup where it, it like was about the relationship, but it wasn't at all about the relationship. Like my reaction to it, like it, it took me, it took me probably like a solid, like two years to feel okay. Maybe like a year to feel okay. It took me two years to feel better. And then like three years to like thrive again. And it wasn't like looking back, I'm like, that wasn't at all about the person and losing the person. It was like, it's what forced me to face all of the things about myself that I didn't want to face and that I hated about myself when that person wasn't there and I couldn't distract myself from all of the shame and hate that I had towards myself. And then it just all went, came out and it was just like, I actually don't like who I am. And you know, then the process of working through that and meditation was so key in my journey. Mm. Yeah. I also remember sobbing. I went to Bali and just last year in September, I was like there for a whole month. It wasn't like a retreat or anything, but I remember I went into, I had all of these like realizations and I went into this sauna, like a, you know, single person sauna. And I just thought, Oh, this is going to be so nice and relaxing. And I'm going to like meditate in here. And I just bawled the entire time. Cause I was like, my life is going to be different when I go home and I can't keep pretending. And I like, just cried was not relaxing at the spot. <laughs> back to that awareness piece like we were so terrified to slow down in case we got those messages but really those messages changed everything in the best way like yeah. we kind of had to trudge through the muck for a while but yeah. the awareness around what we didn't want informed what we do want and when you know what you want then you can finally cultivate it exactly yeah yeah i love that so much and that is so powerful Tori like to be able to cultivate so much out of meditation out of like Deepak and Oprah (laughs) like how cool is that yeah I'd love to know like with clients that you have now so I don't I rarely meditate like I I find it hard well, I, you know what? I don't find it hard. I just don't put the time and effort towards it. So I would love to know um, for you, Tori or Kimberly, like what do you do, you know, with clients um, to help them kind of reach that if perhaps they're in that space where, uh, you know, old Tori was to get them to, um, to where you are now, like the the steps that you take or even just beginning in that process of it because it has been so powerful for you. Yes. So a couple thoughts. So when I first started my practice, I thought that you had to move from brokenness 
to healing before you are allowed to experience the good stuff, right? Before you are allowed to attract the guy to get the money to settle in the dream job. Like I thought you had to like trek your ass up the mountain. And then once you did all the work, you were allowed to do the fun stuff. What now, made what made you think that though? Like why? Just, I think it was still unworthiness. This idea that you're not worthy until you fix your shit. And also I think it gets really confusing with the law of attraction and the secret. And like, if you're broken, you can only attract broken. And mm-hmm not understanding that really the trick to all of this is the reframing and turning the story into something that's empowering. Because when you're in the space of empowerment, that's when the good stuff flows in. Even if you have stuff to work on, like self-love is being able to say, I love this version of me right now, even though I do have stuff I want to improve on, but damn, I'm doing great. Like we can look at pictures of ourselves from our twenties and have so much empathy for that person and go, Oh my gosh, I remember I was waitressing so late at night. I remember I get up at 5am to go run. I remember I volunteered at the children's hospital. Like we can find so much love for that version of ourselves, but why can't we do that to the person now that we see in the mirror? Yeah. That that is self-love. So now I flipped the script and I take my clients to the top of the mountain right away because even if they only understand 5%, of this refinement process of healing the mind, the body, and the soul, even if they only understand 5%, they're going to get a 5% return on investment in their mindset shift. Does that make sense? So even if all they understand is to have better integrity with the words that they speak, so they are no longer allowed to say I'm fat and bloated after I eat every meal, right? Even if they change that one statement to I feel nourished and healthy and that is it, they're going to have that much of a return on investment in the shift of their reality. Does that make sense? And then once they start feeling that now we can continue to refine backwards and grow that 5% to 15 and then 20. And once they are, once they're feeling the results, they're so much more invested to do the quote work because now it's fun. Now they see their reality expanding. Yeah. So we start at the top of the mountain and I just try to make it as fun as possible. So I use this tool called the morning manifestation generator. Kimberly, I think you've. Yeah. The meditation. The meditation. Yes. And the morning manifestation generator. Actually, I'll give you guys a freebie link. You can put it in this so everybody can know what I'm talking about and they can use it. So seemingly it's a very simple exercise. It brings you through all of these pillars of, of empowerment and of mindset shift. It's, uh, Focusing on what you want to attract and then it's okay. What feelings are available to me if I attract this because really we don't want The physical thing ever you don't want to win the lottery because you want a pile of green paper in your bedroom You want to win the lottery because you believe it's going to invite you to feel feelings of excitement joy expansion Right. So once we figure that out and get it down on paper, we're like, okay now I know where my end point is I really am just craving excitement expansion freedom, right? Mm -hmm. Then it brings us through the pillars of building momentum towards that. So then we talk about what's so amazing about right now. Talk about past times the universe has come through for us and delivered on the things that we've asked for. We talk about how we can have integrity with our energy today. Um, Maybe coffee makes you anxious, so you're only gonna have half a cup of decaf in the morning. Uh, Maybe social media really drags you down, so you're only gonna check it twice throughout the day. Maybe watching the news makes you feel really shitty, so you're not gonna watch it today, right? So we list how we're gonna have integrity with our energy. Then we talk about how we're going to give ourselves space. So I don't force people to meditate, step one, because I don't want them to feel any feelings of discouragement, but I would encourage them to pick a way to take space that feels really good. Like maybe they're going to go for a walk around the block with their dog. Maybe they'll take a bath. Maybe they'll sit on their deck and watch the sunset. So it's like the first steps of taking space so those messages can come through before I force them to meditate. (laughs) is how are they going to practice this because let's be honest most people when we're talking about mindset and the universe supporting us and trusting our inner guru we go out into the world and most people don't speak like that and they can diminish or even completely crush our faith in that being the truth really quickly i don't know about you guys but like it's easy to have these conversations here but then i could go to like a law school dinner with my boyfriend Patrick and I start talking about the universe and they're going to be like, "Eh." (laughs) how can we surround ourselves with community that affirms that this is real so we can build that musculature. So even when we're in uncomfortable situations where people aren't speaking our language, we can still stand in the truth of that. 
So I start people there and it's seemingly an incredibly simple exercise, but there that's like level 100. And then we work backwards to refine, like having integrity with our energy. We could spend nine months expanding on what having integrity with your energy is, right? That's like delving into the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind. That's how can we use crystals and sage to protect ourselves? How can we use prayer? How can we build rituals? What kind of foods are right for your body? Right? Like we can build that out forever, but it's so much more fun to start clients there and then start getting a return on the work that they're doing by attracting the thing that they want to attract. And then they're so much more invested in building out the pillars to be more refined and more specific. Yeah. Yeah. They'll stick with it. They'll, they'll see the results, tangible results and stay with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was just listening to Abraham Hicks and they were saying like, um, talking about the miracle morning is, is that the book that I think it's called miracle morning where you like, you spend an hour and you read, you journal, you meditate, you exercise. There's all of these things. And Abraham was like, I don't believe in that because there's so much should in there and you have to find that good feeling place of, uh, you know, the benefit can't come tomorrow and it can't come after. It has to be in the doing. Like I breathe deeply because it feels good now. Not I breathe deeply because tomorrow I will feel good from breathing deeply. Like, so yeah, that's just very much along those lines of, What's going to feel good right now? Wake up and do the right. Yeah. I mean, let's, most of my clients aren't having an issue striving for perfection, right? Whereas that's their biggest hangup. They're like, I have to get up at 4am if I want to do all the things that I'm supposed to do for my self care. And we have to like reel it back and be like, no, what if you just took 10 deep breaths? Would that feel better? I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Then I could actually get some sleep at night. Then I could actually, uh, have some space in my morning to, to make my breakfast without having to get up at 3am. Like we can't get addicted to the self-care rituals for the sake of the ritual. We're missing the point. Mm-hmm. We do the ritual to feel the feeling. So how can we get you to the feeling in the most immediate way? Yeah. I think that's a big trap in this too. Yeah. We can get addicted to the journaling and the meditating and the, for the sake of doing it to feel like we were quote productive, but we're, we need to move away from the productive metric. The most productive way to move through anything is to connect your intuition and follow what your intuition is telling you. If we're just focusing on the actual ritual, we've completely missed the point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious how you, um, like, is all of this that you're teaching just a combination of what you went to school for, like just your, and also your personal journey, like where does the, um, what was your degree again? The, mind body transformational psychology <laughs> yes um so is, does do you derive a lot of your teachings from that degree or where do you get the mix from yes so in that degree it was holistic nutrition life coaching and hypnotherapy so those are three really strong pillars to move from mm-hmm. and it just helped me immensely In addition to that, I mean, I learned a lot about spirituality in school. I learned about all of these other modalities that I think we dug into 15 different modalities from uh, aromatherapy to toe reading, that's a thing, to uh, Reiki. So I had access to all of these things. And the point was that hopefully you'll find a couple tools in your toolbox that you really love and you can use. Mm -hmm. I think that for me, the strongest piece of my practice is mindset and connecting people to their spirituality so they don't feel like they need to do this thing alone. They can give it up to a bigger power, which right away gives so much relief and lets them off the hook. And that has come a lot from my own journey, what I've felt in my cells. And just like I had to feel it in my own cells to really understand it, my clients need to feel it in their own cells to understand it. So I can present the information, but it's up to them to implement and, and get there. So yes, I think it's both. The Structurally, I lean a lot on what I learned in school, but in practice, a lot of it is showing up as a healer, which I think is somebody who invites the, the client, the person that I'm speaking to, to just continually expand into the full expression of themselves. And that's how I see them throughout our time together, always inviting them into that alignment and 
I think that's an extension of personal work. Yeah. I, I would like to know like how this version of Tori looks at like the 11 year old version of Tori, you know, or like the, the version of, of Tori who had yet to like make these transformations because there's like, you know, just like we talked about pivot points, like, you know, that's like, she's always had like this underlying, like, like kind of like choosing you and like going with your gut kind of like with what you said, but it's like, you've just really like stepped into like this incredible power and like, like you, you just like, you know, we can see you, but our listeners can't see you, but you're just like radiating this truth and this light and like so much positivity and, and just magic and light. And it's really like refreshing and powerful to see you in that. And so I'm wondering, um, kind of what you would tell that former version of yourself, you know, and how you've transformed. Yeah, I think my first inclination was to say that I was uh, sad for her that she ever had to feel those that pain. But yeah. remember I said that for a long time, I was always focusing on this eating disorder pain story of my life, where yeah. really in further investigation, that same girl at 12 decided she was going to create a car wash yeah. she wanted to raise money for a little girl in her town named Tori who had cancer. And then that same girl went in uh, ran for student council president when she was 14. And that same, like I, we can so easily look at the pain and allow that to be defining of who yeah. we were, but there are also so many beautiful high points too. Like that, this Tori that I am now existed the whole time. Yeah. There was just two stories running at the same time. So I invite anybody who's leaning on their past story of pain, especially entrepreneurs. We're taught, what was your story of pain? What was your rock bottom? Use it as your message. Use that as your message. Use that as your message. When you say that all day, every day, you have to be super protective of your energy to not be dipping back into that identity all the time. Yeah. And there's an awareness. Yeah. And it comes back to awareness. Like you said, awareness surrounding which story you're telling yourself and which story you're choosing to tell, even though this version of Tori existed the whole time, which is, which is really powerful to, to be able to share that too. And, and to be able to share with your clients and help them along that journey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like about to be your client because I'm just like, yes, yes, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, which school did you go to, Tori? Which one was it? I went to the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, so where is Tori going in the future? What's the future look like? That is an amazing question. And... Like we were saying, I always need to follow my gut or it's not going to feel right. And I think it gets really confusing in this space where we have mentors and people that have paved the path before us that they choose a specific route. And it's easy to just say, okay, well, if that's how they did it, then I have to do it. But I've already had my hustle years. I already worked seven days a week for 15 hours a day in New York City. And I'm like not willing to do that now. So I'm in this really cool space where I feel like I'm caterpillar suit because I'm so ready to fly high, but I'm not willing to work that hard. <laughs> yeah, that resonates so hard with me. Like you see all this hustle stuff and I'm like, no, I'm going to go nap. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, my greatest dream is to be a mama. Always, always, wow. always has been. So honestly, I think the height of Tori is, I'm going to be a badass mom and I'm going to have so much fun and be a blast and have so much space to be really present and roll around in the backyard in the sprinkler with my babies and um, then hope to continue to just be a voice in my community. I just got my little sister from Big Brothers Big Sisters, so I'm super excited about that. Um, yeah, maybe it will just be hosting a couple of retreats a year and speaking and writing books. Um, I think that might be the height of what I want. I feel like that's just what I want. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I need to be a, have like, I have an academy. I don't think I need 10,000 people in my academy or yeah. 
I don't need to be packed to the brim with one-on-one clients. I think now the goal is ease and space and honesty about what I need and what my family needs. And I'm not pregnant at all, even. I'm not even married yet. Uh, but I just know that that's where, what I want for my life. And so trying to kind of deconstruct that and figure out what that means now as I'm building the bricks of that building. Putting yeah. together. It's like the, you know, we get to define what success looks like for us. And it doesn't have to be the, you know, 10,000 person group coaching program, Mm -hmm. which is also really awesome. I think about being an entrepreneur is we get to decide what success looks like and build it exactly the way that we want it. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, I know we can't do it alone. So I absolutely always want to have mentors always. I'm never going to try to do this thing alone anymore. Also, I think that discernment that we talked about is there's a reason that there are different business models because we get to check in and go, okay, well, what works for me? And then I think we find our mentor who's done it like what we want. Mm-hmm. So I don't want mentors that are super hustlers, bust your ass, send everything to a VA in India. Like that doesn't resonate with me. So now I'm searching for mentors that are like, no, I work three hours a day because I'm home with my babies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this, I, you know, if it works for them, I guess the hustle thing. But for me, I was just like, just last month, I, in like a week period, I welcomed in three new clients and I was like, almost embarrassed to say I was not working on my business at all. I was posting on Instagram, (laughs) you know, and like occasionally on Facebook. And that was all I was doing for quote, quote, my business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like you don't have to have the go, go, go to be successful and to, you know, build your business. Yeah. I know. I was just talking to Erica Ballard. I'm sure you guys will have her on. Yeah. Uh, and she had yeah. yeah, she's already been on. Okay, yeah. She had a huge day yesterday where just she just had meeting after meeting and everybody said yes. And after she's like, Tor, I don't know what to make of this. I didn't work all day and I just got <laughs> yeses across the board. I'm like, hello, that's the answer. That's the answer. If you just show up with integrity and you're moving forward with integrity. And here's the thing, if you are in alignment, you're you're gonna be busy at times. Like you don't have to worry about just being like stuck on the couch, sitting happily, like trying to manifest things. That's not a reality. When you are in alignment, you overflow and people feel that overflow in your social media posts. Or when you talk to the mailman, who knows, maybe the mailman's going to be like, I have this really amazing mail client. I don't know. What does the mailman call us? <laughs> <laughs> amazing I deliver to. Uh, you want to talk to Tori. Like you just never know where the connections are going to come from. Mm-hmm. But if you just show up as a lover, that's enough. Like without this funnel, without the consistent newsletter list, just for the sake of being consistent, without all the other bullshit that we tell ourselves we have to do if we want to make the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love how like this is all circling back to like, to when you were starting, like we talked about like that linear path of where, you know, in high school where they tell you you have to go and, you know, they define it for you, but you have in fact defined this for yourself and made so much flow out of your life um, and welcomed it in essentially. And it, it's, it's happening, you know, it's happening for you, which is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, um, Tori, I'd like to ask you um, a couple of questions. Um, Kimberly, you don't have any more. Um, you know, the, the name of the podcast is We Need to Talk. And um, kind of when you say we need to talk, it's, it's an uncomfortable, like, hey, Tori, we need to talk. <laughs> so if there was something, any topic that you thought that we needed to talk about, whether that's um, as women in business, um, as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as girlfriends, as whatever, in politics, I don't know, what would be that topic that you think that we need to talk about um, as a society in general? Mm. So the first thing that came to mind is the distinction between being an entrepreneur and being a leader. And I'm not sure I fully figured out what my thoughts are about this, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs, but there aren't necessarily a lot of leaders. Mm -hmm. And I want to invite women who feel these ideas about how 
we can improve our cities and our country and the world, how we can connect deeper, how we can teach people to love ourselves. I inspire them to move away from just promoting their shit all the time for their business and be brave enough to speak about what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy when we work in the spirituality realm to just be like, well, what is meant to be is meant to be the struggles of the world. That's they wish for it, their souls, but also no, we signed up to be a human being on the planet. So yes, maybe everybody has their soul path. Yes. Maybe this is just the trajectory that the world needs to go through. But in having signed up to be a human being on this planet, when we came here, we also signed up to use our gifts to connect to the other human beings. So I love that. Inspiring people to have some more uncomfortable conversations about how they think we can be bigger lovers and connectors. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's hard to transition from speaking about your business to then talking about systemic racism and politics Mm -hmm. and family separated at the border and children in poverty and, I totally get it. But if you, if your heart is singing for something, you never know what just speaking about it sometimes could bring about to bring a solution to disconnect in our world. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Powerful. Totally gave me goosebumps. Like I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds me of, of Karen Kenny, (laughs) which she's going to be on our podcast, I think like next week. Um, but her, what she always says, like, stop playing dumb. Like, I think it's really, like, easy to, you know, in A Course in Miracles, like, nothing is real and right. none of this has meaning. But, you know, what she says is, like, stop playing dumb. If there's a hungry child, give them a sandwich. Like, it doesn't give us an excuse to not be present in this human experience yeah. when there's pain and suffering, especially. So, yeah. yeah. And then we can go way on the other side and think we need to save everyone and everything. That's not the case either. Be a kind, loving person in every area of your life. That's already the most important start. But then if there's a calling that's really speaking to you, focus on it and be of service and and see how you can positively impact the trajectory of that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So I just have one last question as well. And I think that out of everyone we interview, this is like, you're like the perfect fit for this question. So with all of the hats that you have worn, the many hats of bikini waitress in New York, <laughs> a dancer, a student, a girlfriend, a coach, an entrepreneur, all of the, the hats, what has wearing all of those hats taught you about what it means to be human? Mm. So my podcast is called an excellent example of being human. I know. Yeah. (laughs) And what I get, why I named it that is we are all so different, right? But we are all an excellent example of what the human experience is because it's basically saying the excellent example of existing. We're all existing. So we're all a great example of it. Um, I think that at the core of all of those roles is the core that's in all of us is that infinite potential, infinite capacity to love, to empathize, to forgive. And that core comes out in each person in the way that it's, it's meant to come out. So at the core of me in the middle of all those roles is my specific role as a human being on this planet is to just be, to have Christ-like empathy and forgiveness (laughs) and to just be a lover. And um, that's been the streamline through all of those roles. And I think that if anybody else were to look at all of the roles that they play, that they'll find something really similar in there. Mm, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Tori, I know people are going to want to know where to find you, um, especially it's been an incredible interview. Um, so where can the listeners find you? Where can they get more of Tori? Yes. So I think the most Tori that you can get is <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Lots of Tori talking over there. Uh, podcast is all an excellent example of being human. I'm also always blabbing over on Instagram. I invite you to come hang out. I also will give you guys a freebie link for the morning manifestation kit that we were chatting about. So if anybody wants to snag that, then they can too. 
And then my website is toridb.com. Yeah, yeah, we'll um, link all of that in the show notes, you guys, so you guys can um, go find Tori and go stalk her and be friends with her because she's just incredible. And so thank you so much, you know, for your time, Tori. This was so fun and so fun to get to know a little bit more about you and your story. And thank you for sharing that with us. It was really powerful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guys, we need to talk. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much for being here, for being part of this incredible, amazing tribe and just amazing community. You know, it takes a lot for somebody to be able to be vulnerable and to share their stories in this manner. And it also takes a lot for somebody to be able to listen and to hold space and that's you. And so thank you for that. And if you find yourself needing help, if you find yourself wanting to connect on a deeper level, if you find yourself just wanting to reach out and talk to either me or Kimberly, please do not hesitate to do so. Um, That's available to you guys and so many avenues. And we love hearing from you. And if you have a moment, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you think. You know, your thoughts are important to us. Your stories are important to us. And we love hearing from you. Until next time.